From Quoted Studios and executive producer David Gerlach, this is Blank on Blank. Distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, I'm Amy Drozdowska. This episode marks a return to our special series, The Experimenters, uncovering interviews with the icons of science, technology, and innovation, people who helped make the world we live in today. Over the last several months, we've been digging into archives, sorting through old and sometimes forgotten tape, and looking for those interviews with people we know, but don't know enough about. One of those people is Sally Ride. These days, just about every space mission has women on it. It's just not a big deal. But in 1983, it was very much a big deal. That's the year Sally Ride became the first American woman in space. Back in 1963, Russia sent Valentina Tereshkova as the first woman to fly to outer space. But it took two more decades for the Americans to follow suit. At the time, journalist and icon of the feminist movement Gloria Steinem had an ABC interview series called In Conversation With. Are you, is this just to start talking or to start the actual tape? Sorry. As part of that program, she interviewed Sally Ride. And we found the tape in Smith College's archive dedicated to the life and work of Steinem, the Gloria Steinem Papers, part of the Sophia Smith Collection. Now, at the time of this interview, as far as the public, and it turns out the press, were concerned, space was for clean-cut alpha males with names like Buzz. Here's the tape. I wish that there had been another woman on my flight. I wish that two of us had gone up together. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a lot easier. It's tough to be the first, but you've done it with incredible grace. You also have the only job in the world that everybody understands. <laughs> my father, I think, was so grateful when I became an astronaut because he did not understand astrophysicist. <laughs> he couldn't relate to that at all. But astronaut was something he thought he but understood. But astronaut, and you could see people all over the world connecting with what you were doing. Roughly half the people in the world would love to be astronauts, would give anything to trade places with you, and the other half just can't understand why in the world you would do something <laughs> that stupid. If you don't have 20-20 vision, can you become an astronaut candidate? I always thought that was a big disabling factor. I think it used to be. Now, as long as it's correctable to 2020, it's okay. So you'd probably qualify. <laughs> I didn't have any dreams about being an astronaut at all. And I, I don't understand that because uh, as soon as the opportunity was open to me, I jumped at it and I instantly realized that that was what I really wanted to do. On yep. the other hand, my mother claims now, in hindsight, that she knew all along <laughs> that that's what I wanted to do. But I, I took all the science classes that I could all the way through junior high school and then into high school. I went to a girls' school that really didn't have a strong science program at all when I was there. At the time, it was a classic school for girls with a good tennis team and a good English teacher and essentially no math past 11th grade and no physics and no chemistry. I'm curious about uh, the reception that you got inside NASA just because of an experience of mine which was interviewing the very first astronauts before your time accidentally coinciding with the launch uh, of the first uh, Soviet female astronaut and finding them quite angry. They felt that the fact that a woman could do it devalued the whole thing, and they were muttering about, well, they could send up monkeys, you know. But what kind of thing happened to you 
Now, one anecdote is worth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't because, think uh, I have because I think people are really curious about what it was like to be one of the first six. We really don't have any. Uh, it's kind of disappointing, but maybe that's a good sign. NASA really made it obvious to everyone at the Johnson Space Center that they were intending to take women astronauts. They seemed to be prepared for it. There were 35 of us in 1978 that started. Six of those 35 were women. The other 29 guys were, I think, very sensitive to the position that we were in. The concept of women in their field was not a new one to them. Really, the only bad moments in our training involved the press. The press was an added pressure on the flight for me, and whereas NASA appeared to be very enlightened about flying women astronauts, the press didn't appear to be. The things that they were concerned with were not the same things that I was concerned with. They for instance, the bathroom facilities. Bathroom facilities. How much they, did you get asked that? Just about every interview I got asked that. Everybody wanted to know about what kind of makeup I was taking up. They didn't care about how well prepared I was to operate the arm or deploy communication satellites. Did uh, NASA try to prepare you for the press and the pressure? Unfortunately, no, they don't. You know, in my case, they took a graduate student in physics who had spent her life in the basement of a physics department with oscilloscopes and suddenly put me in front of the press. What do you suppose are the dumbest kinds of questions you've been asked to date? Without a doubt, I think the worst question that I have gotten was whether I cried when we got malfunctions in the simulator. <laughs> <laughs> no. That surpassed even the one about whether you're going to wear a bra or not? Did that, somebody really ask you that? No. The press, I think, decided that that was a good question for someone to have asked me and for me to have answered, but I never got that and question. They made up your, they made you up quite a good response. Something about in a state of weightlessness, it doesn't matter? Or yeah, I think they it, made was up this whole it was thing? something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was never asked that question. What about your feelings during the launch? Was there any time that the enormity of what was going on came over you? The moment of the launch, when the engines actually ignited and the solid rockets lit, everyone on the crew was, for a few seconds, just overcome with what was about to happen to us. But a year of training is a long time. A year of sitting in simulators and being told exactly what's going to happen, and you hear the sounds and you feel the vibrations, and they prepare you very well, and it, it worked. We were able to overcome being overcome <laughs> and do the things that we were supposed to do. Just watching there at the launch, there were people with tears streaming down their faces. People I never would have expected. You know, hardened military types, people who maybe don't approve of the money spent on the space program. And yet they were all very moved by, I guess, the human audacity of it. So I think that to imagine when you see the, the long trail of flame and then imagine that there are really people <laughs> inside that, that's really something. Inside, of course, you don't see the long trail of flame, and what you're feeling is, is really more of an exhilaration. Well, there are lots of people looking up there feeling proud, not only of you up there, but also on the ground. Thank you. Thank you. Sally Ride, first American woman in space, talking with feminist and writer Gloria Steinem. This interview comes from the huge archive dedicated to the life and work of Gloria Steinem, the Gloria Steinem Papers, part of the Sophia Smith Collection at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. It's an ambitious archive that not only seeks to give a special view of the career and personal life of Steinem, but it also documents the women's movement itself, 
Thanks again to them. This episode is part of our science and innovation series, The Experimenters. Support for this series comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information on Sloan at sloan.org. You can watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David, and with help from Jesse Wright Mendoza. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives. Before we go, a few more thoughts from Sally Ride, including her projections for the distant future, 2001 to be exact. What do, what do you think it might be like in uh, 2001, in fact? What's possible for us? Well, 2001 is a long ways in the future to speculate on. <laughs> but probably the next step after the space shuttle is going to be a space station. I would foresee a space station as being not just something that is orbiting the Earth and used for experimentation or, or whatever, but would also be used as a launching platform back to the moon or to Mars, mm -hmm. and I think that both of those are inevitable. I'm sure we'll go back to the moon, and I'm sure we'll, it's only a matter of time before we send people to Mars. But do you have any that. speculation about uh, how, how long it might be, perhaps, uh, before there are such things as peopled uh, space colonies? I'd guess that probably by the year 2000 there will be. I think that we'll have a space station up by the end of this decade. On which it would be possible to live for long periods of time. Yes. How was your dinner in the White House? Dinner in the White House was a real experience. <laughs> that is a diplomatic answer. I understand Thank you. You, were, you, were, <laughs> you were sitting between uh, Reagan and the... the uh, premier of Bahrain. What was Reagan's attitude toward you? President Reagan is a very charming person and has a lot of anecdotes and uh, seemed to be genuinely pleased to have me at the dinner table. Did you ask him any questions about the status of women in our country? <laughs> I wish that I had, had asked him more about the status of women, I think. That's one of the things that's important to me. One of the areas where I think that I probably will be able to make a contribution over the next few years, supporting women's rights and women's activities. Uh, a reporter told me with great authority that the first thing President Reagan had asked you was what your husband thought of what you were doing. <laughs> Is that true? No, that's not true. What was the first thing he had? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> a diplomat. A yes. Diplomat. <laughs>